Hey everybody, welcome to Pedestal. Today we have another episode of Open Book where you get the chance to jump into my Bible study with me, hear my thoughts out, and put input onto the Facebook page so that we can better understand and discuss this together so that I can better understand it because I did not have all the answers. So let's work through this together. Today we're going to be working through James chapter 1 verses 5 through 8 where we're going to really dissect doubting and what that means, what the Greek word there is for doubting, and what how important wisdom is in our life. And we're going to look at all that together. So I'm excited to go through this with you guys and, and see what God has in store for us. Uh, if you are new to Pedestal, welcome. Pedestal is a community of people who understand that though each human is a beautifully crafted piece of art, we are not the greatest artwork in the museum. In fact, our cracks and fractures are not even worthy of display, yet we are still very, very valuable. Our value, however, is found in elevating the perfect artwork in order to glorify the master artist, our creator. So we serve our life as the pedestal, elevating Jesus high above all things. So, welcome. All right, so today I'm sitting in this old rickety wooden chair. And so I apologize in advance for that. I know you're going to hear it throughout the episode, so I apologize. But today we're starting with James chapter 1, verse 5. Last week we talked about verses 1 through 4 and how it tells us that once we start from a place of faith in the Lord, that's our starting ground. So this is talking to believers. So, And it's actually talking to Messianic Jews or, or Jews who believed in Jesus, who were scattered uh, outside of Jerusalem. And so we, we talked about when, when it starts, we start with faith. So that's our starting point, that trials that come in after we have faith are actually beautiful things. They're, they're very helpful because it, those trials start the motor that moves us from faith to endurance, making us mature and complete, lacking nothing. So it's actually a beautiful thing to have trials. And so we kind of mentioned that, and we, we compared it to 2 Peter 1. I looked at a lot of verses there and how these two correlate. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you going back and listening to the previous episode here that goes over James 1, 1 through 4. Uh, it's very fruitful. It gives a lot of background knowledge into James and why he's writing and um and, and you get that you get that base ground of of what faith is and how important trials are and what what our goal is in life what what the end goal is and what it looks like to live a fruitful life walk a fruitful walk with the lord and so today we're jumping straight in to verse 5 and so i'll go ahead and start reading that now Verse 5 says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. All right. All right. So now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. 
So if we lack wisdom, we need to ask God for it. We say, hey, God, you know, can I get some wisdom? Um, this actually verse reminds me, let's see, Solomon in the Old Testament. Because God asked Solomon, we'll, we'll just look it up. Let's see. Um, Solomon asks for wisdom. I can't remember exactly where. I think it's in Kings, First Kings or something. First Kings, yeah, First Kings chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. So let's read First Kings chapter 3, verse 1 through 15, if y'all will flip back there with me. I've got it on my phone, so maybe you'll pull it up on your phone. That would be super helpful. Not if you're driving. Again, don't do this if you're driving. That is not smart. But let's just let's look at it. So First Kings 3, verses 1 through 15, it says, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father, David, except that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon asking the night, or Solomon during the night in the dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give to you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. So we see here, Solomon is the son of David. For those who didn't know, Solomon is the son of King David, the famous King David who wrote the Psalms and, you know, everybody knows King David. The statue, right, wherever it is, Italy, Rome, England, somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, so Solomon is the son of King David. And so he says, you've shown a lot of favor uh, and, and you've been faithful, or you've shown great kindness to, to your servant, my father, King David, is what he's saying, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. So that's why he says, David was faithful and righteous and upright in heart, so you showed great kindness to him. And so that that's important. So that stems why he's saying what he's saying next. So verse 7 now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. So now Solomon is king in place of David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Mm. So God gave him the right to ask for anything. He said, I'll give you, I'll give you anything that you ask for. Ask for whatever you want me to give to you. And he asked, he said, so give your servant a discerning heart, which other translations say wisdom, give your servant wisdom so that he can govern God's people and so that he can distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. He's saying, man, this, this is way too big a task for me to lead these people. And I don't want to do it incorrectly. 
my father did it well, and you showed favor on him and showed kindness to him because he was faithful and righteous and upright in heart, as verse 6 says. And so Solomon's just just mirroring what his dad did, which is so beautiful to see there. He said, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? And then verse 10 says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself. Mm. So he didn't ask selfishly. So since you didn't ask selfishly, essentially, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. So he's like, man, you could have asked for the death of your enemies. You could have asked for wealth. You could have asked for a long life or more power or whatever you wanted. But you asked for wisdom in, in acting justly and in, in, in living and leading well. Man, that's cool. So verse 12 says, because you did that, since you have done that, verse 12 says, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Mm. He said, I'll give you wisdom because you asked. That was such a beautiful thing to ask for because it's not selfish. It's it's humbling yourself before me and saying, God, I just want to do what you want me to do. And so please just give me the wisdom to do what is pleasing to you. Man, that's cool. So he says, I will, because of that, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. You'll be the wisest person to ever live. Amazing. Verse 13, moreover, I will give to you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Mm. He's saying that while on earth, man, you're going to be the richest and most powerful uh, person to exist during your lifetime, but you're also going to be the wisest person to ever live. Anybody before you or anybody after you, that's super cool. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David, your father did, I will give you a long life, man. So he's like, dude, I will give you all this. So you didn't ask for long life, but I'll give you a long life. You didn't ask for more wealth than anybody in the land, but I'll give you more wealth than anybody in the land, man. So then it says, Then Solomon awoke and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. All right. So, man, that's crazy. So, man, he's like, I'll give you all this stuff on top of that. So that's 1 Kings 3, 1 through 14. Um. Yeah, man. So just thinking about that and and bringing it back to James 1 here. So it says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. We just proved that right there, that God wants to give to his people generously and ungrudgingly. He wants to just give and give and give. He gave Solomon way more than he asked for. But in order to do so, we have to ask for what pleases the Lord. We can't just ask, Hey God, give me a million dollars because I want to go buy this Lambo and this nice house. Like that's, that's not what it's saying here. So it's saying ask wisdom because asking for wisdom is asking that, that 
it, it's humbling yourself. It's a very humble thing to ask for if you ask for it the right way. If you're asking for wisdom so that you can be the wisest person to ever live and so that you can so that everybody will look at you and ogle at you and and fawn over oh man, this guy is just so wise and so smart, uh, which I've done before. I've prayed for that selfishly. And God won't God won't grant that because that is that is selfish. That is just like wishing for your enemies to die or, or wishing for um, all those other things. Wealth, being the wealthiest person just so that you can be the wealthiest or the most powerful or whatever, or long life. That that's a selfish motivation. But it's saying if any of you lacks wisdom, just ask God and he'll give it to you generously and ungrudgingly. Man, so that's good stuff. So ask for wisdom because wisdom is is God give me what what is right. I want to know what you want me to do and I will do that. That's interesting. So continue on verse 6, but let him ask in faith without doubting for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Dang. That's sharp. That'll cut you. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Not even just wisdom, but nothing. I mean, if you're double-minded, if you're doubting, you you shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord because you're double-minded and unstable in all your ways. Dang, that's good. So I want to look up, I'm looking up on uh, the Greek interlinear what wisdom means. So I'm going to look up James 1, 5. Uh, Greek. I'm telling y'all, it's that easy. Greek text and, uh, analysis, Bible Hub. So, now any of you lacks wisdom. Sophias is the word. Sophias. Um, it's used in Acts 3, where it says, um, it's talking about the spirit and of wisdom. Uh, Romans eleven thirty three both of the wisdom and knowledge, First Corinthians one twenty one through its wisdom did not come to know, um, or the world by wisdom knew not, First Corinthians two one or wisdom. Okay, so essentially when when you're cross referencing because I don't want to just find out what the necessarily the definition is I want to see what the other other verses what context those are in. And, and kind of compare and say, okay, so this is what they're meaning when they say wisdom, because this is what the Bible usually means when it says wisdom. Oh, shoot. I'm looking at the wrong verse. Okay, so I just want to look up what doubting is. So let's look up James 1, 6, Greek. It's that simple. Yep, James 1 Greek interlinear on Bible Hub. So, let him ask, however, in faith, nothing doubting. So, doubting here. Diachronomenos. Hmm. Diachronomenos. Acts 10.20. It says it uses it in Acts 10.20. Where it says... Where it says, while Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, three men are here looking for you. Go up, 
or get up, go downstairs, and go with them with no doubts at all because I have sent them. So without hesitation, essentially, is what that's looking like. And I want to look at... I want to look at other verses. I don't want to necessarily get the definition of what that Greek word means. I want to see what the Bible uses it as in other contexts. Because, yes, somebody may... These words are often used differently depending on their context. And so I want to to look at where this exact Greek word is used in other parts of the Bible and look at it. They are seeing what they're meaning. They are seeing the context there so that I can better understand what that word means in this context. Does that make sense? So so right there in Acts 10.20, it looks like it's talking about without hesitating. Like, don't hesitate. Just, you know, do it. With no doubts, don't, don't doubt. Don't hesitate. Romans 14.23, it's also mentioned, which says, whatever you believe about these things keep between yourself and God. Blesses the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and everything that is not from faith is sin. So doubt here is is showing that when you're doubting, you're you're not being fully in your faith. That you you believe that maybe it might it might be true that God may be able to do something, but I don't know if He can fully do it. So, so it's this hesitation. It's okay. I'm not going to give everything to it. And it also mentions it. Yeah, James one six. It also mentions it in Jude one nine. And that's the last one um, that this exact word is mentioned. So I'm actually going to flip there because there's not many of them. Jude one nine. So starting in 8, it says, In the same way these people, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and slander glorious ones. It says, Yet when Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So here it's, it's, it's actually that word is used mean, that we translate often as disputing. Or contending. Ooh, okay. See, this is why you got to look at the other context. It's talking about disputing. So when it says, he did not dare, or my bad, up here, yet when Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body. Mm, boom, right there, guys. Simple as that. So wavering, right? Wavering in your faith or, or being hesitant. Or disputing, it's it's using this word as disputing. So it's saying, God's God's saying, I can do this, right? I can I can give you wisdom, I can give you anything I want to give you. But when you dispute that, because your your doubt is not just is not just saying, well, I don't know if I have enough faith, right? When you don't have enough faith, what you're really saying, God, is I don't know if you can do this. And so really, so really, when you're doubting. In that way, and that's what it's talking about. Using this word, right? Diacrinamo, diacrinaminos, diacrinaminos, whatever. Uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, as you can tell. But when using that word, so not just like the Americanized doubt, because there's plenty of words in Greek that that can be translated into doubt. I see because underneath it, it shows other words that are very similar to this diacrinamos, and there's three, six. 9, 12, 15 others that are very close. And then there's like another 20 
ish that are additional that are also very similar to it. So there's a lot of different words. That's why the English language, when you read these translations, a lot of things can get watered down or filtered out. A lot of good scripture can get filtered out because we don't have specific words for a lot of these things. And so, man, so that's good. So when when you're doubting, God's saying when you're doubting, you think that it's 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 almost a humble thing. Like I don't know, I don't know if God will give it to me. I I don't know if I'm worthy. But really, what you're saying is I don't know if you can do that, God. I don't know if you're gracious enough to do that. I don't know if you have the power to do that. And so really you're disputing with him. He's saying, I can do this. Because he says right there in verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. Not just some or not just the select few. He gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. There's a big but here, right? But... Let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter, or the diakronomos, or whatever it is, diakronominos, whatever. I'm sorry, I'm probably confusing you more saying that. But that word, when used in other contexts of the Bible, is, is talking about being hesitant, but more importantly, disputing. Right? Without disputing, without saying... All right, God, please give me wisdom. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're gonna do that. I don't know if I, I'm, I'm worth it. I don't know if you're gonna, you're gonna come through on that. I don't know if you can give me more wisdom. I feel like I have to work for my wisdom. I feel like I have to study more for my wisdom, and you're not just gonna give it to me. Those are all doubting thoughts, and so you may be asking and saying, "Well, yeah, God may give it to me," but when you're, when you're throwing those thoughts in there, really, what you're saying is, "God, I don't know how good you are. God, I don't know if, if you're keeping your promise here." God's saying, just ask in faith without doubting. Because when you're asking for wisdom, this is very particular to wisdom, but it's also meaning a lot of things. But this this is very particular to wisdom because it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, and then it said, but let him ask in faith without doubting. So this is specifically talking about wisdom in discernment between, between right and wrong, between what is pleasing to the Lord and what is not pleasing to the Lord. So when you're asking for that, God will give it to you. He promises he will. So as we read this scripture, this is, a, this is a great segue here. As we read this scripture, let's pray. As you read in your Bible study time, sit down and pray. Say, God, help me to understand scripture better. Give me the wisdom to discern the truth from the heresy. I don't want, I don't want to absorb things that are false. I don't want to be listening to false teachers and not knowing that they're being false. I want to know truth. So as you open up your Bible, always pray. And that's something I always pray about before and after um, I read scripture is God, please give me wisdom. Please help me understand this. Please give me discernment and knowing what you're actually saying. Cause I don't want to throw my own ideas in here and then take those as it's what you're saying when it's really what I'm putting on the scripture instead of what the scripture is telling me. So, man, that's a good word. Gosh, that's good. So ask wisdom, but ask in faith without doubting or without disputing or contending with God. That's good. So verse 7, this person should not to expect to receive anything from the Lord. So not only should a doubter not expect to receive wisdom, they shouldn't expect to receive anything. So God doesn't guarantee that he will give you anything. Everything, and according to this passage, though there's, there may be other passages that we'll look at later, but according to this passage, God doesn't uh, 
doesn't promise to give you that a million dollars if you ask with faith, right? God doesn't promise to give you get you out of um, out of certain situations or to escape death or to live forever. He doesn't promise to give you that if you ask in faith without doubting. It's only wisdom that he's talking about here. Okay, but but this wisdom mentality is is a like I mentioned back with Solomon it is this humble heart saying, God, I just want to do what you want me to do. Wisdom is not about uh, lording over somebody with your with your mind and saying, I know more than you. I have better understanding than you. Or trying to get accolades by people saying, Man, that guy's so smart. That's not what this is talking about. In asking for wisdom, it's it's a hu- humble heart. It's humility, as Solomon did here. God, I just want to lead these people well because I don't know how to lead them. You're, this this is too big a task for me, and I want to make sure I'm pleasing to you as I do it because my father was pleasing to you, and I want to be like that too. That's awesome, man. So being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Actually, we are going to go to that other verse. I was going to maybe save it for another time, but I don't know when we'll get to it. Um when Jesus said, ask anything in my name. John 14, 14. So let's flip over to John. John chapter 14. And we're kind of coming to a close here. We don't got much more time left here. 14, 14. So I'll start in 12. It says, truly, Jesus says, Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So here in this in this section, you're seeing that that. This is God promising. This is Jesus promising, which we remember, we know Jesus is God's words from the first open book. Um, so w- when Jesus is saying it, this is God saying it. And so God is saying, whatever you ask in Jesus' name, he will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I kind of want to go back to that original uh, John 1 the intro open book. So if you find that episode, that's a good one to listen to. Intro, or it's called open book, intro, John 1, 1 through whatever, 18, I think. Um, but what, what we know is Jesus is not just Jesus' name, the words, or the word Jesus or Jesus Christ. So I can't say, like I mentioned a second ago, I can't say, God, help me be able to dunk this basketball in Jesus' name, and that he's just going to do it. That's not what he's saying here. Don't take this out of context. He's saying, if you believe in me, you'll do the works that I do, and and you will actually be able, able to do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus is saying, you will be able to heal people. You'll be able to uh, bring the dead to life. Maybe maybe not physically, but spiritually for sure. But maybe spirit, uh, physically, if God wants that to happen. But don't don't think that He doesn't have the power. Don't doubt Him. Don't dispute Him, right? And so here He's saying, whatever you do, whatever you ask in My name, I'll do that for you. But similarly to James, 
what he's saying is when you're asking in my name, similarly with the with the if you lack wisdom, asking for that wisdom. And when we look at Solomon, how he asked for it, it's with a humble heart saying, I just want to to lead these people well. I want to do what you want me to do. That's similarly what he's saying here. Because if we know that Jesus' name is not just the words Jesus Christ, but that, as we mentioned in the John 1 episode of Open Book, that before Jesus was Jesus, Jesus was the Word of God. That every word that God spoke when creating the world, that was Jesus. He was using Jesus to create it because he was using his words, and Jesus is the Word of God. And so when you look at the Bible as a whole, that we know that this is the Word of God. This is a perfectly put-together Word of God, collection of God's words, that there's no error, there's no flaws. Again, we can go into that later. I think that's in one of my previous episodes, too, if you want to check it out. I can't remember which one, though, so just listen to all of them. <laughs> but but um, it, it says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do that. So whatever we ask according to Jesus' name, according to the Word of God, because that's Jesus' name, according to the Bible, if it is in line with Scripture, if it is in line with God's heart, God will do it. He promises that. And so that's that's what that verse is talking about. It's not saying that He'll do whatever you want Him to do for your own personal gain, but what He wants for His gain, to, so that the Son can glorify the Father, as Scripture just said right there. So that is a key, key key hinge point. All right, so that was a little sidetrack, but it goes together. So I just wanted to make sure we got that out there because I know people would ask about that. Um, and so, yeah, that person should not expect, the person who doubts or the person who disputes or hesitates should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Not just wisdom, but anything at all. Going back to that John scripture, anything that you ask for, you shouldn't expect to receive it if you're hesitating or you're disputing that that God can do it. And it may not feel like you're disputing that God can do it, but when you're hesitating, when you're saying, I don't know if he will do this for me because this, I don't know if he can do this for me because this, that's you disputing the Lord, the Lord's promises. So, and it's saying that in verse eight, it says, those people are being double-minded and unstable in all their ways. Double-minded. Nobody wants somebody who's on two sides. You don't want somebody, I don't want somebody in a relationship with me. I don't want my wife to be in a relationship with me if she's halfway into the relationship and halfway in with somebody else. Or she's like, I kind of want to be married, but I kind of want to be single. Like, that's not pleasing to me. That's not something that I cherish or or want to love on or bless. I, I know I need to regardless, but... God's not lacking. God doesn't need us. God can do these things without us is what what we're missing is because God is all powerful. He is all sovereign and we're just his creation. But he's we're a creation that he values and he wants to use and he wants us to delight in him so that he can delight in us. He wants us to partake in his mission so that we get that sense of of worth and that sense of value because he cares about us. Similarly to uh, when when I, my nephews were trying to help us move in up here in Detroit, I, I didn't need them to help me carry anything, but we'd give them something small. We'd give them a pillow or something like a picture frame just so that they could feel like they were part of it, that they helped in some way so they could feel like 
they were playing a role because I cared about them. I knew that would make them feel valued and loved. That's what God does to us. He doesn't need us to carry his things. He doesn't need us to help him move in the world. He allows us to so that we can play a part and we can feel valued because he loves us. So when we're being double-minded, God doesn't want to bless that. God doesn't want us to be double-minded and then bless that and, and reward us for being halfway in his relationship and halfway out of his relationship. He wants to reward us when we're all in. And so, anyways, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So when you're doubting, you're not just double-minded and unstable in this area, but it's saying you're, you're double-minded and unstable in all your ways because when you live without faith, that's not how you were created. We were created to be faith creatures. We were created, and that's scattered throughout the scripture. We were created to live in faith. That's where our heart is supposed to be. That's where our mind is supposed to be. So when we're living outside of it in one area, what feels like one area is actually permeating all the areas of our life and that we're living outside of what we're created to be living in because we're not living within faith. We're double-minded. We're halfway in faith, halfway out. And so if that's the case, we're being unstable. We're, we're doing this balancing act in faith and out of faith that, that we, can't, we can't maintain. And God's not going to bless that anyway. So anyways, I think that's a good stopping point, man. This is, this is good. This was good for me because it helped me pull back to First Kings there, bring Solomon into this, and John. This is something that doubting is, is hard to understand because... Sometimes doubt is good, right? It's, it's good to doubt as far as wondering if God is really there. That's sometimes a, a good thing to doubt because it causes you to press in. It causes you to press in closer to to the Lord. And Andy Minio has a, has a song, I think it's called Clarity. I don't know if you'll listen to Andy Minio, but that's a, that's a little subtle plug to the, one of my favorite musicians of all time. No joke. Um, he's got a song called Clarity that is just incredible, and it's talking about um, it's talking about that. It's talking about doubting, and it's saying, you know, he, he mentions one line in that. He says, "The opposite of faith isn't doubt; it's when I have it all figured out," which is was revolutionary for me, uh, revelational to me, because the opposite of faith is not doubt, and I don't even think the Bible's saying that. It's saying. That when, when you have faith or when you doubt, you're not living in complete faith. It's not saying that you don't have faith at all because a doubt is a balancing act that, that's showing that I have some faith, but I'm disputing. I don't know if I fully believe that. But it's not the opposite. It's a middle ground, which God doesn't want you to be in that middle ground, but it's not the opposite. The opposite of faith is when you think you've got it all figured out on your own. It's pride. It's arrogance. I don't need faith if I if I believe I've got it all figured out. I don't need faith in anything else. So, but doubting can help you press into the Lord. Doubting can help you trust the Lord more because you, when you go through a season of doubt and you you press in more to figure out about God more, you can come to know Him more through that. So this isn't saying that. There's, there's this dichotomy of, of faith or doubt. That's what you're doing. No, that it's either faith or arrogance, believing that you have it all figured out. And then doubt is the middle ground. And so God here is trying to pull you towards faith more. He's saying, don't doubt when you're asking. 
you're, because you're double-minded. You're not going to receive any blessing. You're not going to receive anything from that. Remember, he's talking to believers, to Christians, to, to Jewish believers in Christ at this at this point. So it's this isn't a matter of of when you doubt you're not going to have salvation. This is a matter of when you doubt you're not going to be able to step into what God wants for you the most. When you sit in doubt, you're you're standing on a ledge, this double-minded, this unstable ledge between faith and arrogance, saying, I, I believe you may be able to do it, but I also believe I have to do something with it. I believe you may be able to do it, but I don't believe I am good enough to get that. Or maybe I'm too far to reach for you. So that's an arrogant thought in itself. So God's not so God is then saying just lean lean to the faith side. Lean to the faith side. Fall off of that of that little balance beam you're doing and fall completely into faith. Just trust me. I promise you I will give you wisdom. Pray for wisdom and I will give it to you because I want to give you generously and ungrudgingly. So just ask, fall into that, and let's do this walk together. Man, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And it doesn't look like Spurgeon has anything on those verses, 5 through 8. Let's see if my other Bible does. If it does, we'll go into that. If it doesn't, then we'll sign off. So this is my wife's She Reads Truth Bible, which is a really good Bible. Got great devotionals and stuff in it. Okay. Let's see. Oh, we just went through eight. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get we'll 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 do that later as we as we come to the end of James one. We'll we'll go through that devotional because there is one on it, but it's not necessarily over what we talked about today. It's more over the entire chapter in and of itself. So that's where we're going to sign off. That's where we're going to stop. I hope this uh, entry blessed you guys. I hope this time blessed you guys. And if you have any thoughts, any questions, any concerns, any uh, disputes, dichotomous or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, if you have any of those, please write them uh, on the pedestal page. And again, let's let's do it in love. Let's do it without arguing or or trying to separate the church. But this is all about unity and coming together. Bible study should not be about separating or, or stretching the divide wider, but bridging that gap. So let's love each other. Let's care for each other. Please write on the, on the pedestal page. This is a community that I want to see grow. Um, and I would love to kind of step into that even more. So love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Much love. God bless. Talk to you next week.